Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back. And normally, Nate Zielinski joins us at this time, but he's out goofing off somewhere, so we are extremely fortunate, instead of having to put up with Nate, that we get Dustin Sigler from uh, Tight Line Outdoors on. Good morning, Dustin. Good morning, Terry. How are you, sir? And I'm doing great, and I can never pass up a chance to take a shot at Nate, even though he's a really great friend and a great contributor. <laughs> he's a hard hard but, worker. He's up in the high country. so. No, he is, and he's doing a lot. He's a great contributor. I, I don't know if you heard when I was finishing up that other segment, Dustin, but you know these are the times of the year when people go to Cherry Creek and Pueblo, and they just catch numbers of walleyes. Of course, they're all they're all in that fifteen to seventeen inch range because uh, a lot of those active males have been culled out. The ones that are a little bigger have been taken home, and the females, once they get to a certain size, start eating a little different prey, eating at different times, and behaving differently. And they're not as aggressive. So people catch a lot of fish this time of the year, but they don't necessarily catch big fish. But there are things you can do, aren't there? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, it's funny you say that. Colorado is kind of unique in the fact that uh, your smaller fish just aren't hanging around those big trophy walleye. Um, so when you're out there, you know, us in particular, even Tightline Guides, for years we've been out there and, and we'll catch – 50, 100 fish in a day, and not one of them are over that 25-inch mark. There are numbers fish. They're in that keeper size range that our guests want to catch, and um, you're just not seeing them together. But uh, there are just uh, different tactics and different things you can do if you're specifically looking to target those trophy fish. Well, um, and, and what happens? Yeah, I'm a, and what happens this time of the year is food is abundant. Starting, you're starting to see the, the the shad get big enough to eat, and a lot of these reservoirs have a lot of food, and the bigger fish can eat bigger fish, and they don't have to feed at the same times of the day. But go ahead. How do you approach it? Absolutely. Um, you know, it's really it's, it's simple, to be honest with you. You know, you have guys that will go out, and they're targeting the small fish. They're targeting numbers, um, and they're using smaller presentations, whether it's your, your smaller half-ounce blade baits or – um, you know, even jigging wraps or, or pulling crawler harnesses and such. Um, and they're, they're doing it in a subtle, uh, subtle manner. Uh, if you're looking to target those bigger fish, it's, it's quite simply big bait, big fish. I mean, it literally goes and breaks down to that. So when you're pulling your big, um, your, your heart crawler harnesses, we'll say, you're, you're putting those big, um, you know, giant blades on there, eerie blades is what we call them, um, number five size blade, Colorado blade to begin with. And um, uh, you're upsizing all of your presentations, whether it's pulling harnesses, pulling your big crankbaits, um, adding a ton of action to those, whether it's jointed baits or, um, you know, big rogues, big size 14 husky jerks, loud baits, um, big baits, loud baits, catch big fish. And so uh, we're doing a lot of that. You're also wanting to to really look in different areas. You know, when you see piles of walleye on your, on your graph, and um, that, that's typically not where you're going to want to find that big one. Those big ones are, are very smart for a reason. They got big for that reason. And so they're typically speaking 
in very skinny water. So we're looking anywhere from that two foot of water um, up to probably a six foot of water maximum if they're in shallow cover, whether that's weeds, um, stumps, trees that have been submerged, any of that sort. And then also when you really start to get that bait fish uh, school, you know, bait fish schooling up, you're looking in the deeper water and you're looking for them just suspending underneath bait balls. I mean, they're, there's probably that's probably your easiest big fish um, technique is to just pull cranks, pull crawler harnesses, suspend it over deep water, um, specifically targeting those big fish. And you have to give it the time of day. I, I say it all the time. You know, a lot of guys will pull that uh, giant crankbait that they bought at the store or, or the big blades for their crawler harnesses. They'll buy it at the store and they go out and they maybe tie it on for half an hour or an hour and they don't give it the patience that it needs because you're not going to get uh, 50 bites in a day with these techniques. You're, you're really looking for that three to five big bites in a day. Um, and when you get them, they're going to be the fish you're looking for. And you got to really take the time uh, to do that technique and run it constantly all over until you can connect with those bigger fish. No, I couldn't agree more. It's, you know, you can, Go out there, and sometimes you want to fish for numbers and go after those smaller fish and that constant action, and sometimes that's what you want to do, and it's a lot of fun, and you get a few keepers to get home. But if you're going to target, and this is true of almost any species of fish when you get to the bigger fish, when you're going to target those big fish, you're, you are absolutely right on when you said be patient because now you're fishing for just a handful of bites. I can remember fishing a governor's cup up in Wyoming one year for walleyes, and the spot I was fishing, I knew that we were either going to get a 25, 30-pound bag and we were going to get five or six bites and land almost all of them, or we were going to get skunked. And we did end up getting a very small bag the first day and then took comeback the next day, but it wasn't going to put us in the money to catch a whole bunch of little fish. So we purposely did that. It took patience. But Dustin, what else? What about time of day? Does time of day affect when you catch these fish? Uh, you know, Terry, it can. Um, putting odds in your favor is really what you want to do when you're targeting big fish. So whether it's a full moon phase that you're coming into, um, it could be uh, early in the morning, late in the evening, even over the course of the evening, you know, right when it gets dark through till um, till sunrise. Those periods of time, these walleye know that they're at an advantage to eat. So putting, you know, Putting things aside, I would say, yeah, you know, if you can if you can dedicate an evening, um, you know, right when that sun hits the horizon and, and fish it till 1, 2 a.m., you probably have better odds at catching big fish during that time period. Um, it's a little harder. You know, nobody wants to be out there fishing during those times. Or maybe a big storm blows in. You got some decent wind and, and weather that's affecting the barometer. Things like that are going to draw big fish to eat. And um, so those things in general, yeah, that you can put those in your favor um, and, and definitely have more success with that. Now, if you're going to go target big fish in Colorado, you know, it doesn't do any good to target big fish where there aren't any. So, I mean, so what are some of the best waters to go after big fish in Colorado and how big are you talking? Yeah, so I'm glad you brought that up. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I do my research before I even leave my house. So I literally, you know, CPW has a great app that you can open up, and it can show you uh, their master angler program. 
um, you can literally go in there and see, you know, how many master angler fish, and, and that's, you know, a 26-inch and larger walleye. You can see where they've been caught. And that, in general, will give you a good idea of what lakes you want to go to and, uh, you know, what lakes you can put big baits in and have, uh, you know, decent success. You named a few in the beginning, uh, you know, Pueblo being a phenomenal big fish lake here in Colorado. And and even here on the metro, in the metro area, you know, Chatfield and Cherry Creek, it's hard to pass up. I know for a fact you can go out there. Um, I have several uh, master anglers coming out of Cherry Creek personally, so I know they're in there, all of them, you know, released and and, and still swimming, I'd hope. And uh, Chatfield also is right there with them. You know, even some of the eastern plains, um, you know, Julesburg, North Sterling, um, you know, Jackson can produce some of them. But uh, all of these bodies of water have big fish in them. Um, and so do your research prior to going out. Like I said, the Master Angler Program is something you need to take a look at uh, just to give you an idea of where those big fish are. Uh, you made a good point, too, that you release those big fish. Um, uh, having been within fishermen all the years, uh, we always preach selective harvest, and that was to, it, it's fine to take some fish to eat. You should, as long as they're of legal length and everything. But when you get fish that start getting into that bigger trophy size, you want to keep those genetics in the lake. You want to keep those fish there for other people. So, you know, take a couple, if you're in the right lake, from 15 to 18, if you're in Cherry Creek or Chatfield, take it maybe a couple 18 to 21, 22s. But leave leave those bigger fish. Don't you agree? Oh, absolutely. Um, we can't catch them if they're not in there. Um, so I, you know, I I truly believe in replicas. There's no need to have skin on the wall uh, to tell your story. Um, have a replica made. They they do great. Um, at the end of the day, to, to tell your story. And then you, you put the fish back, and other people have the opportunity to catch a fish of a lifetime. You know, we don't see a lot of state records being pulled out. And um, I think the more big fish we're able to release uh, healthy, it, at the end of the day, we're going to have uh, a chance to potentially break state records and, and have moves like that. So you're absolutely right. You know, taking care of the fish is um, paramount when you're targeting them know that you don't want to keep them out of the water long, have a big net. That's another big thing with gear. If you're going to go target big fish, make sure you're bringing a, a net big enough for these fish and to also keep them beside the boat in the water um, at, at times just to pull them out real quick to take your picture and get them back in the water. So hold them uh, also horizontally. Don't hold them vertically um, to get your photos. Just keeping everything you, doing everything you can to keep that fish healthy and uh, to continue to, to grow. Real quick, um, I know that there's another big body of water that's not that far away that's very near and dear to you, and that's Big Mac, Lake McConaughey. What are you hearing out there? Um, you know, the numbers bite is through the roof right now. A lot of a lot of guys are pulling uh, pulling meat, so your leeches, your crawler rigs, slip bobbers, um, jigs, and, and crawlers. That's all working great. You still have an uh, an awesome shallow water opportunity of pulling. Uh, Salmo hornets in uh, six, you know, four to eight feet of water, I'll say. Um, it, it's going great. You got fish all over the place, and uh, the water temp's where you want it to be. Even here, you know, I, I know a lot of people are seeing great numbers. Uh, we're in that peak period for walleye. And so um, as far as big big fish, though, it's all about upsizing. Get your presentations as big as, as, big as you can, in a sense. Um, 
and and don't be scared to put that on and take the time to do it because uh, you you will be rewarded if you take that time to do it. And have you heard anything about boat landings or the water levels at McConaughey this year? Um, so right now they're they're sitting pretty high. I'd say I, I don't want to um, be wrong in my my notion. I don't know, know the exact water level right now, but I know it is up. It's probably close to. Um, uh, you know, 90% capacity, um, just about to that uh, leave your footprint sign just across the dam there. So I know it's up and um, no plans on dropping anytime real soon. So that's good news. It's not very far of a drive. Do you still fish McConaughey or because you're guiding, do you stay mostly here in Colorado now? I spend a ton of time here in Colorado um, on all of our walleye lakes and, and some trout lakes in the high country. But I do. I'm actually going uh, just in a couple of days here. I'll be leaving for about a week and a half up to McConaughey and doing a lot of fishing and hopefully have a good report for you there. But, uh, yeah, it's near and dear to my heart. I enjoy it. It's got uh, a, just a high class of fish, whether it's smallmouth walleye, wiper, white bass. I mean, you just can't compete. And, uh just a lot of fun out there. So I, I will always be going out there. <laughs> All right. If people want to get a hold of you, how do they do that? If they want to book a trip or learn more about this? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Facebook page, Tightline Outdoors, uh, tightlineoutdoors.com. You can find us there. Um, run through the gamut of, of guides that we have. We're state-of-the-art state of the guides that will get you on uh, big fish, small fish, numbers of fish, whatever you'd like, we can uh, accommodate. All right, my friend, all kinds of great information. Thank you so much for joining us today. Of course, as you said, Tightline Outdoors, and uh, Nate, I'm sure, will be back with us next week talking fishing and hunting, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon also, Dustin. Thanks for joining us. That sounds great. Thank you, Terry. You bet. Dustin Ziegler from Tightline Outdoors. We'll take a quick time out, and we come back. Brad Peterson is going to join us, and we're going to talk. Not only some more walleye fishing, but some techniques and some of the mistakes people make. Right here on Terry Wisham Outdoors, 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wisham Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go to the phones. And joining us, and we're actually going to talk some more walleye fishing because that's what time of the year it is. And that's Brad Peterson from Brad Peterson Outdoors. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. You know, we've been talking quite a bit of well, we've been talking quite a bit of fishing in general and some some walleye fishing, but it's it's the time of the year if you really want to learn and be successful walleye fishing. This is kind of when you need to be out there, isn't it? It definitely is. You know, the with the water temperatures heating up and the bait fish still they've had their first hatch, but they aren't real big. So what you've got is you've got those walleyes with a real high metabolism and not as much food as you're going to see later in the summer. So this is the time to get out there because they really are biting good, and there's a lot of different presentation styles you can use to go out there, find those fish, and, you know, start catching them. So what are some of the waters that you've either been on or have some reports from, and how are they doing? You know, up up here in the northeast, the bite overall has been pretty good. Uh, Jumbo still has some fish even after the, the low water. It's not as good as it has been the last four or five years, but people are still going up there, you know, and catching uh, 15 to 20 fish in a day. So, I mean, I mean, a really good bite for most places in the country. Uh, Sterling right up there is kind of the same thing, but the, the water level's dropping, and when that water level drops, it kind of pulls those fish 
the walleyes in particular out of the shallows and they start moving out into the first piece of structure, whether that's a point or a flat, and they're on the move. So, you know, it's really important to kind of cover water to find them. And then the other lake that's kind of got the same thing going on as far as fish, you know, on the move is Boyd. Boyd's been having, you know, a fairly decent bite still, but you got to cover water to find them. And once you do, you know, being able to kind of concentrate on that. And I think that's where we, we want to talk about a presentation style. This time of year, it's it's really hard to beat a bottom bouncer pulling some sort of presentation behind it, whether that's a, a single, you know, Aberdeen hook, slow death, a spinner. That presentation has been around for decades. It's tried and true, and one of the best ways to catch walleyes this time of year. You're absolutely right. In fact, I, I don't know if it's still true, but I know that if you went back a decade or two, probably more fish were caught by people pulling bottom bouncers, more walleyes in the western reservoirs than most other presentations combined. And, you know, you mentioned you mentioned uh, some of those northeast reservoirs. Those same things are going on in the Wyoming reservoirs, uh, Lake McConaughey, uh, down at Pueblo. And there's a lot of active fish, but sometimes they're spread out on flats or on the first break. Like you mentioned, that as the water falls, those fish get pushed out of the shallow, and they usually move to that first drop-off, that first, if there's a weed edge, if there's a break line, and that's where you find them. And that's where bottom bouncers really excel. In fact, several years ago, you and I did a, a video on bottom bouncer techniques that's on my YouTube channel. And it's one of the most watched videos on my channel because we showed people using bottom bouncers both from the front of the boat with an electric motor and from the back of the boat with a kicker. And there are different applications. But why don't you start out, tell us how you choose a bottom bouncer and how you go about starting presenting it. Well, the first thing is that the name is almost a misnomer and that they, they call it a bottom bouncer, but really you don't want that weight bouncing bottom you want it just above bottom and just barely occasionally ticking or or to where you can drop your rod tip back and just touch bottom that's going to help avoid the snags and a lot of the frustrations people have when they go out fishing with bottom bouncers and the key to fishing with a bottom bouncer is when you drop that down and you get it to where it's just starting to tick bottom you want your line angle at about a 45 to a 60 degree angle back and so you adjust the weight of your bottom mounter to kind of match that. And that's really going to reduce the amount of snags and issues you have. So I, I run bottom mounters anywhere from three quarters all the way up to four ounces. But if I was to tell someone to get one size, that's going to cover most of the depth you're going to be finding our fish in. It's going to be that ounce and a half size. And I go ounce and a half to two ounces, but we're right in that same ballpark. And it kind of depends on how fast you're going to be covering the water. Um, I typically am pulling a bottom bouncer from about a half mile to a mile an hour, sometimes a little more. What kind of speeds do you use? Yeah, you know, early in the year, if I'm not using a blade or something like that, that needs speed to get it to rotate, I'm going to be starting at about that half mile an hour. This time of year, I typically because the fish are a little more active, I start at about 0.8, and I will go up to about 1.2, uh, maybe even 1.3. I usually start a little bit on the 
the slower side and just keep speeding up and get to figure out how fast you can go and still get those fish to keep biting because the faster you're able to go, the more fish you're going to put that presentation in front of and the more bites you're going to get. So whereas a lot of people kind of slow down and like to try and stay slow to get a few extra bites, I'm kind of the opposite side. I'd rather speed it up a little bit and get the presentation in front of more fish and really target those more aggressive fish. And, um, you know, right now, kind of my go-to for starting is about 0.9 to 1 mile an hour. I'm usually pulling either a smile blade or a spinner blade. I, I know in the last few years, the, the slow death or the crooked hooks, as some people call them, have become real popular for catching fish, and, and without a doubt, they do catch fish. But I think that the um, the blades, and whether it's the traditional blade, either a Colorado or an Indiana blade, or a smile blade, often get overlooked. And in some of these waters, you know, that little bit of added flash and presentation um, or vibration really gets you more bites. I know I was up at, at Boysen earlier in the week, and... You know, it was the old traditional number three and number four Colorado blade that was getting bit, you know, two to three to one over any other presentation style. So you got to get out there and try and don't forget kind of the the old school techniques where where it all started with those uh, blades. Well, I think you mentioned something, too, that I'm a big proponent of. Um, when and if you look at our the video Brad and I did, it's on the best of fishing with Terry Wickstrom. It's called Bottom Bouncer Techniques. But one of the thing I do is like you, I let that line go out as I'm going till my bottom bouncer touches the bottom. Then I pick it up off bottom a few inches, and then I might let it out a little more because it may plane back a little bit. But I always make sure that if I drop my rod tip back, I can make contact. I want to stay near the bottom. But when you do drop that rod tip back, and not only are you checking bottom. But you all you get a you get a quick pause in your presentation, then it starts again. That can really be a trigger for fish to bite. It definitely can, you know. And um, it's I do it a lot, you know, as I'm trying to figure out the speed because as you're dropping it back, you're slowing it down, and as you kind of pull it forward, you're speeding it up. If you're getting more of the bites as you pull it forward, you know, increase your speed a little bit. The, the one thing I see people doing too much with bottom bouncers is they try to work them too much, almost like a jig. And when we're talking about dropping it back, it's a slow drop back just to tick bottom and know that it's there, and then you just kind of hold it and pull it back to horizontal. But a lot of – if you're missing bites or short – you know, setting the hook too quick, the bottom bouncer is a presentation that you can just put in a rod holder, get it set to the right bottom, put it in a rod holder, and let it sit. And I can't tell you the number of times that, you know, you have a couple people in the boat, one person just doesn't want to touch the rod, and they put it in the rod holder, and that rod in the rod holder will outfish the ones that people are holding and trying to do too much with. You know, the, the presentation kind of does all the stuff itself. It's not like a jig where you have to impart the action the blade and the moving of the boat gives you what you really need. So don't do too much with it, or you can end up missing quite a few bites. Uh, I couldn't agree more. In fact, um, I've done some tests within fishermen right along those lines where, first of all, a key is having a rod with a soft enough tip so that when that walleye comes up, usually from behind or the side, 
and grabs that presentation, that rod will bend and give him time to turn, and then that hook will rotate into the corner of their mouth and set itself. If you, as soon as you feel that tick, set the hook, more often than not, you'll pull it out of their mouth. And I set two rods up on a test I was doing for an article, and I had one that was like a pool cue. It was so stiff, and one that was very flexible, and I had the same bottom bouncer, the same spinner, the same presentation, and I got about the same number of hits, but the hookups on that limber rod were about four or five to one. And I don't want to say this because I know JR's listening, and I was going to use this technique against him when we fished together. But if you want to beat your buddy when you're out fishing with bottom bouncers, watch your friend's rod tip. When his rod tip just tips a little bit, you'll see it even before he'll feel it. Say you got one, and he'll pull reflect out of reflex to set the hook, and most times he'll pull it away, and so you can beat and you could win those beers. Now, JR, you didn't hear that, but Brad, we got about a minute. Why don't you wrap things up? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's great advice, Terry. You know, what I tell my clients is, a lot of times what you're going to feel is you're going to feel those first two little ticks, and then the rod's going to bend over and load up. Wait until that rod loads up, and then it's not a, a, a bill dance, you know, try to set the hook, you know, so that the car alarm in the parking lot goes off hook set. It's just a, just pull it forward and put tension on it, and you're going to end up hooking up a lot more fish. So if people are going out, you know, this is a great time to get out there, try those techniques, uh, take a look at that YouTube video we covered a lot. If you've got more questions or you want to book a fishing trip, you know, feel free to reach out to me on Facebook at Brad Peterson Outdoors or, you know, give me a call at 303-829-3998, and I'd be happy to, you know, help answer questions, give you tips, advice, you know, talk about the bites going on in the northeast Colorado or, you know, Glendo, which has been on fire, any one of those lakes. I'm I'm happy to help people out and, you know, try to get people out to catch more fish this summer. All right, Brad, thank you so much. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Terry. You bet. Brad Peterson, Brad Peterson Outdoors. Great resource. Use them. We're going to take a timeout, and we come back. Our good friend, J.R. Pierce from Colorado Clays, is going to join us, and we're going to talk shooting on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. By the way, we talked a lot of walleye fishing today. Karen just posted on our Facebook page, um, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, a link to a YouTube video where we actually do these bottom bouncing techniques on a Boysen Reservoir in Wyoming. And there's a number of other walleye uh, videos on that site, our YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing. But Follow us on Facebook. A lot of great information from this show ends up on that Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoor. Now let's go to the phones. One of our favorite contributors joining us from Colorado Clays is JR. And you didn't hear that last part of that last segment, did you, JR? Not at all, Terry. Come on now. You know that I never set the hook too soon when I fish with you because I spend most of the time with my hands covering my ears, if I recall right. Oh, just watch it, pal. <laughs> uh, so I'm in Minnesota, my friend. What's the weather like out of Colorado Clays today? Actually, Terry, it's beautiful right now. Kind of overcast in the 70s. Uh, excellent day for some shooting right now. It's beautiful. And we're going to talk a little bit about all the disciplines that you serve, but a couple of things I wanted to talk about. 
I get questions about law enforcement. Do law enforcement people use your range quite a bit? Oh, they certainly do, Terry. Um, and, you know, uh, it's kind of a good point to bring up because, you know, as Colorado's premier public shooting facility, Colorado Quays always features, you know, the finest in rifle, pistol, and shotgun shooting and much more. But it is amazing how many opportunities are available in each of these individual areas that that kind of makes Colorado Quays the shooting range that truly has something for everyone in Colorado. So, yeah, we do see lots of law enforcement, lots of military, and lots of other uh, folks, too. And you do classes. In fact, concealed carries are very popular. Are you still doing those? Yeah, Terry. And, you know, this is this is all referring largely um, in, in our rifle pistol facility, and we do. Uh, we do concealed carry all the time and uh, a host of other opportunities. And uh, I might even just take a second. Like in our rifle and pistol, this is that uh, – you know, NRA-approved state-of-the-art facility, um, and in the pistol, target return system, uh, rifle, video viewing, uh, padded benches on both sides, radiant heat, assorted rests, lead sledge, you name it. And, uh, yeah, so we do get a lot in the pistol side. Most of our people, of course, come out just to use their firearms, individuals, friends, families, kids, what have you. Uh, even the kids under 18 shoot for free at Colorado Clays with a paying adult and uh, actually we'll give them uh, a zombie target to shoot if they like. But, uh, you know, the other thing kind of on the, the uh, law enforcement military, a lot, of, a lot of these people come out to practice for home defense as well, Terry. And uh, with that 1 to 25-yard opportunity with silhouette and bullseye-style targets available, uh, you really can get ready for that. And a lot of these folks are shooting for the concealed class um, that they took at Colorado Clays. Uh, we also have Pistol 101, good introductory class. We have individual instruction by the experts here at Colorado Clays. Uh, and like I say, hosting the military and law enforcement for all different types of reasons, from qualifications to um, just you know working on their own. Uh, security companies a lot of times will come out, rent our small event space, and uh, do classroom there and use the range to qualify their people. So. Um, there's just so many different things that uh, are really available just in any individual place. It's, uh, it's, it's very impressive once you see it. No, and, you know, I'm a big believer in practicing. Uh, Shooting is a perishable skill, and if you don't practice, and, you know, if you get into that hunting situation or that self-defense stressful situation, you don't, you're not going to have time to think about your trigger control, your sight pattern, your grip. Those things have to be automatic. You want to think about what's going on around you. It makes you not only better, but it makes you safer. And it's I'm a big believer in that. But what if I want more than just to practice? Do you have competitive events? Do you have leagues? What can I do? Yeah, Terry, and all throughout Colorado Clays, like I said, whether it's on our traps, um, you know, our sporting clays, what have you, there's a, just a host uh, of uh, different opportunities. So, you know, take, take the trap line, for example. Uh, that training trap, great place for kids, for lessons, to check out a gun. Uh, all of our traps are ATA regulation traps, so a lot of the competitive shooters come here to practice for that. Uh, and even though uh, most of them are recreational practice type thing, uh, a lot of people do get ready for events. Um, we have that Wednesday night trap league you referred to from the spring all the way into the fall. Very fun uh, competitive evening for anybody that likes to shoot. Uh, it also has picnic shelters. We have small event building. You can schedule family events, birthdays, bachelorette 
bachelor and bachelorette. Um, gender reveal, reveal parties are getting to be fun. And, of course, we always have our big corporate and fundraising type stuff. And any of these, uh, we have skeet leagues available. I mean, the, the list goes on and on, Terry. Uh, the, the great thing about Colorado Clays is that no matter what level you're after, we have uh, a perfect access to it for any uh, shooter and any discipline he wants to compete in. Now, and, you know, one of the things I really like, not only the complete facility you have, but something you have that a lot of people don't, and that's your patterning area. And I can't tell you how important that patterning area is to shotgun shooters before they start practicing or even before they choose the ammo they're going to use for hunting. And that's so true, Terry. And it doesn't matter uh, if it's a new gun uh, gun you have anytime you're not sure anytime you're changing anytime you're preparing something it is just vital to confirm that the gun is shooting um, where you're pointing it where you're aiming it and uh, the turkey hunters of course every spring just come in here in droves to check those turkey guns to find their effective range to find their most accurate ammo uh, make sure their gun is um, zeroed in uh, the pattern board is also great for the competitive shooters because they uh, all have different um, needs for different disciplines, different games, different ammo. So that can tell you what is your best combo there. And, uh, you know, sometimes just a first-time shooter just seeing what a pattern looks like on a sheet of cardboard versus describing it in the air is priceless. So that pattern area for only 10 bucks is probably the best money you can spend and the best place to start with a shotgun. No, I couldn't agree more. Um, speaking of, though, getting ready, one thing and checking ammunition that I'm going to change gears on you here is we're not that far away from muzzleloader season, and I'm hearing that bullets may or may not be hard to get. And But so people need to be coming in and checking their muzzleloader and, and shooting muzzleloader targets, which you allow at Colorado Clays. Yeah, absolutely. And, Terry, they're already coming in. Uh, we've got some folks that are getting ahead of the game, preparing, getting their guns ready. On a side note, here at Colorado Clays, some of our experts went ahead and put together kind of a, a muzzleloader sighting kit for folks, you know, some 50 caliber stuff that may run out or may not be able to get it done with uh, what they had available. So um, we're really trying to work with the muzzleloaders on that. Uh, can't stress enough, you know, of course, us being a muzzleloader-friendly facility with that open-air um, rifle range, uh, everything just comes together so well at Colorado Clays for the muzzleloader getting ready for season. Yeah, it's and it's going to be on us quicker. And then, of course, my favorite dove season is right around the corner. And <laughs> and there's, there's so much to get ready for. And they they can't make enough ammunition for me to get a dove. I'm telling you right now, just, <laughs> just so you know. No. The last thing I want to talk to you about, JR, is this has to be an incredibly difficult time of the year for you because I know you guys are busy out there and people want to get their shooting done, but I can't help but think that that water has been calling you a little bit. Have you snuck out and done any fishing? You know, Terry, it's been pretty slim lately, but I did get out a week and a half ago, found a really good bite on some nice bass. So I, I did get a little bit of time in with the stick, but I'm definitely ready to go again. Yeah, I guess my phone must have been turned off when you did that because I didn't get a call. So. Oh, I didn't even send you a picture? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I'll do better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, JR, if people want to find you, what do they do? 
Give us a call, 303-659-7117, or go to our website, coloradoclays.com. Should have anything you need there answered. Take the virtual tour. Check out the facility before you come out. Uh, But certainly, whatever you do, uh, check in with us. We'll get you taken care of. All right, my friend. Oh, by the way, are you guys going to be open on the 4th of July weekend? Yeah, you know, we are, Terry. We're going to be open on the 4th. Um, We're going to go ahead and shut down about 3 o'clock so that our staff can get home to their families and enjoy the 4th as well. But, yes, we will. All right. You enjoy that because I won't talk to you again until after the 4th, but you have a great uh, rest of this weekend and a great holiday coming up. You as well, Terry. Thanks a bunch. All right. J.R. Pierce from Colorado Clays. Just fantastic people. They're just so great to deal with. Go and check them out. We'll take a time out and we come back. we got some more fishing I want to talk about right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. I want to give you a quick uh, update from Blue Mesa Reservoir, but before I do, uh, follow us on Facebook, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Karen just posted a link to a video on our YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. A lot of the fishing that we talk about in this show is covered in those videos on our YouTube channel. But a lot of the segments you hear on the show, we'll post links to the podcasts of those during the week. Then we'll give you information about upcoming segments. And if I get out in the water, I will put some personal reports up there. So following us on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook really keeps you in tune with the show. Now, Blue Mesa Reservoir, I talked to Andy from GSO Fishing, and he said um, he's been hearing a lot of people talk that a lot of boat ramps aren't open at Blue Mesa. That's not true at all. All the boat ramps at Blue Mesa are open. They feel like they're going to have pretty good water to keep the boat ramps open all season. The salmon fishing is way better this year than it was last year. They're doing great on the kokanee. They're still catching lakers. And the Lakers are catching. They've moved a little deeper, but not so deep you can't fish. That's 70 to 80 feet range. And they just, just done this last week, they got a 36-pounder in that depth. And he also said the perch are starting to move up. And they're starting to see some 10 to 12-inch perch. And, you know, perch were illegally introduced into that lake. And they, they don't seem to stay available all year long. But when they do move shallow in the summer, uh, boy, they're good to eat. You catch a bunch of them. You can keep a whole mess of them, and nobody cares. And they're just—they make great little fish stick-sized fillets. They're a member of the walleye family, and they're just doing great. And you know, with all the people using our resources, Blue Mesa is a great, great reservoir uh, to get away. It's a little bit of a drive. It's a huge lake. You can get some water to yourself. So it's one of those destinations that if you really want to get out, catch some fish. And maybe get a little away from the crowds. It's just a great destination. Now, is Mr. Dan Jacobs in the studio right now? Hey, that was great, Terry, because you are the king of catching fish sticks. So good job there. Good, good second. Watch it, pal. <laughs> hey, I got to ask you a question. With, with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater practicing <clears throat> together on the Florida beaches, does that mean the quarterback, our famous quarterback battle is in a truce right now? Oh, I don't think they're overly uh, cantankerous with each other. Do you, Terry? No, actually, um, I will say Teddy Bridgewater has been a real class act, and Drew Locke has at least said that he's doing the right thing. So it hasn't been one of those heated, I don't talk to him battles. They actually seem to be a lot of cooperation in that room. Yeah, I think they're getting along just fine. 
I don't know how much talent there is, but there's a oh, lot of Oh, Terry, Terry, pulling no punches. <laughs> well, I, I like I like both their attitudes. I think I think that um, Drew Locke has a much bigger upside than Bridgewater uh, if he can get his act together and cut down the turnovers. And even Bridgewater said that his arm isn't even close to Drew Locke's. But Bridgewater plays a safe management game. I think they want to win with the defense. Uh, I think they decided they can't outscore Kansas City, but I think they're wrong if they don't think if they think they're going to beat Kansas City twenty to seventeen. No, I mean they're not going to beat Kansas City anyway. I mean it'll be a fluke every yeah. once in a while. I mean, when's the last time they beat Kansas City? It's been at least half a decade, hasn't it? I can't remember. It's been a while. But yeah. even a compete, even to compete in their division and the AFC in general, um, they have an extra game. I believe there's an extra team. Uh, we got extra playoffs, but it's going to be tough. Uh, but I, they've got a lot of great personnel. Can the quarterback position get at least good enough to take them to a playoff berth? No. I mean, they won five games last year, Terry. They won five games, and they're bringing back. Drew Locke, who was pretty much the worst starting quarterback in the league last year, they brought back essentially, they, they shuffled a few of the deck chairs, essentially the same roster they had last year. The, the entire coaching staff is the same, which was just as bad in the very last game of the season as it was in the very first game of the season. There's, a, there's almost nothing different about this team, but magically they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to double or more their win total. The Dolphins won 10 games last year and didn't make the playoffs. So even if they double their win total, they're not going to necessarily get in the playoffs. I mean, come on. Well, the one thing that I think bothers me right now in this whole thing is that you got a coaching staff that knows it's on notice. And I've not, I'm not a fan of our offensive coordinator. I think Fangio is a great defensive coordinator, but not a great head coach. But maybe he'll prove me wrong. But they're going to try to do everything they can to win year, this year instead of taking the next step to build a better team. And I just don't know how much authority our new general manager has well, to intervene in that. Yeah, let me ask you this. Everybody says Vic Fiancho is a great defensive coordinator. How many great defenses has he had here in Denver? And how many great, great defenses in 40 years can you remember him having? I can remember two. Yeah, the Chicago Bears. One, yeah, once. And the Niners once. And I don't yeah. – yeah. Um, yeah, and his system is complicated, and it, it, players think too much and don't react enough in his system, I think. Yeah, I mean, when he's had phenomenal, great players, he's had a couple of great defenses. That's about it. it. It's amazing how great a coach is when he has good players. Unless it was me coaching you, then it was all coaching that won that championship. It had nothing to do with talent. I would agree. No, you, you were a great coach back then. I don't know what happened to you now ever since, but you did have some, you know, <laughs> some, some moxie. Hey, by the way, how are you doing out there in your homeland? Did they have a parade when you came home? Uh, what are you guys doing out there in Minnesota? Well, we're, we're kind of flying under the radar. As soon as they find out why I'm here, there'll be autograph seekers lined up on the streets. Yeah, but, oh, I know. I know how that goes yeah. for you. No, we're actually on the shores of Lake Bemidji today, but we're headed out to Black Duck Lake that we'll be spending the next week at. And Karen and I are going to do some fishing. And my longtime fishing buddy, Greg Clajo, is going to come up and join us. And we're going to put the herd on some walleyes, a few bass, and maybe a pike or two, have a fish fry, and maybe even have a glass of wine in the evening. Oh, nice. Well, enjoy yourself out there. 
I will. I'll let you go. I'll wrap this up so you can get to your uh, your sports information. All right, sir. You're listening you. to you're listening to Terry Wixom Outdoors. You can join us every Saturday from nine to eleven, and uh, we're on. We have bring you fishing, hunting, camping, outdoor activities. We'll try to keep you abreast of everything, make you more successful. Follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. We'll let uh, thanks to Kyle for keeping us on the air, and thanks to Karen for this remote setup. And we'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour in sports with Dan Jacobs. There she stood in the-